You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee. And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's March 19th. The U.S. COVID-19 vaccination effort is in full swing, with more than 2.4 million shots being administered each day. But it's been a bumpy road. States and local health systems have had to rely on improvisation and on-the-fly decision-making to create order from chaos, sometimes with mixed results. So how can the U.S. achieve more efficient and faster vaccine distribution? According to Rand's Luke Muggy, the key may be game theory. Game theory is a field of mathematics that models competitive and cooperative human interactions. A game is composed of players, their actions, and the resulting payoffs. In terms of the vaccine rollout, the players would be individuals seeking care, the actions would be the individual's selection of a facility where they can receive a vaccine, and the payoffs would be measured by a number of factors, such as how individuals perceive the risk of vaccination, the distance they've traveled to get a shot, and the level of service available at a vaccine site. Applying game theory in this way can deliver vital information. For example, it could help state authorities calculate how many vaccine doses need to be sent to each vaccination center. And as vaccination sites expand from health clinics and hospitals to stadiums and event centers, such information may be more important than ever. Muggy says it's time we use the best management tools at our disposal, including game theory. By signing the Abraham Accords last year, four Muslim nations, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Sudan, and Morocco, have taken an initial step to normalize ties with Israel. The agreement represents a political breakthrough. But a new RAND paper suggests that it could also move the region away from conflict and toward economic prosperity. The authors of this paper conducted their analysis under a key assumption that improved relations among these countries will evolve into deeper economic integration. This could include bilateral trade and private investment between Israel and the UAE, Both have relatively open economies, but also the potential benefits of a comprehensive free trade agreement that eliminates tariffs, lowers investment barriers, and waives visa requirements. Such economic integration could help create approximately 150,000 new jobs for just the four Muslim countries that signed on to the agreement. But if the Abraham Accords grow to include more nations, which some have speculated will happen, then the economic benefits would likely grow too potentially amounting to millions of new jobs in the region. American and Chinese officials kicked off meetings yesterday in Alaska to discuss the tense state of U.S.-China relations. But according to Rand's Derek Grossman, resetting the relationship seems unthinkable at this point, and both countries bear some responsibility. While Beijing has consistently maintained that it wants a reset with Washington— it has refused to change its own assertive behavior. And so far, all signs suggest that the Biden administration plans to take an exceptionally hard line against China. For example, the U.S. is championing democracy over authoritarianism, 
Biden stated that during his first year in office, he plans to hold a summit of democracies to, quote, renew the spirit and shared purpose of the nations of the free world. And on the issue of Taiwan, neither the U.S. nor China appears willing to back down. China continues to ramp up diplomatic, economic, and military pressure on the island, while the U.S. is strengthening its ties with Taiwan. For these and other reasons, Grossman concludes that the odds of a game-changing deal emerging seem next to zero. And going forward, the U.S. and China are likely to only cooperate on narrow and limited challenges of mutual concern, he says. After the pandemic hit, there was a 20-fold increase in the rate of telemedicine use. But this increase occurred mostly among more affluent people and those who live in metropolitan areas. That's according to a new RAND study. At the same time, the authors found that office-based medical visits declined by nearly 50% and were not fully offset by the increase in telehealth use during the pandemic. Also, the findings show that adults were more likely to have a telehealth visit compared with children age 12 or younger. The evidence reinforces concerns that the pandemic is making existing disparities in healthcare utilization even worse. To address these issues, RAND researchers recommend that policymakers consider increasing efforts to reach low-income people, rural populations, and other groups who may be deferring an office care and not replacing it with telehealth visits. Focusing on ways to improve children's access to telemedicine could help, too. Facing stalled peace talks and a May 1st deadline for withdrawing all remaining U.S. and NATO forces from Afghanistan, the U.S. has thrown what Rand's James Dobbins calls a Hail Mary pass. The Biden administration has proposed shifting the principal venue for the Afghan talks from Qatar to Turkey and prioritizing the formation of an interim Afghan government that brings in the Taliban as an equal partner. U.S. officials have also suggested a framework for such a government, and in the hopes of adding regional weight to this effort, have asked the U.N. to convene a meeting of Afghanistan's principal neighbors, Pakistan, Iran, and China, along with Russia, India, and the U.S. Dobbins says that, like most Hail Mary passes, this one isn't likely to be completed. First, neither Afghan side has shown a desire to move quickly toward forming an interim government, and both sides have resisted any third-party involvement in their negotiations. What's more, this approach isn't likely to facilitate a U.S. troop withdrawal by the May deadline. However, Dobbins notes that this U.S. initiative may still prove beneficial— because it could lead Kabul and the Taliban to at least begin discussing the core issues that have long held up progress. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. We'll see you next week.